0: Welcome to Living Simply, a guide to mindful living and mindful parenting with your host, Dr. Gina. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Living Simply with Dr. Gina. Dr. Gina, how's it going in Canada today?
1: It's going freezing cold, but very nice and bright. So it's (laughs) really nice.
0: (laughs) Awesome. And we have Crystal in Colorado back with us. Crystal, how are you in Colorado?
2: I'm doing well. It's actually uh, it's going to be in the fifties today, but snow on Sunday, so I'm enjoying the warm weather while I can.
0: Awesome! And today, Dr. Gina, we are talking about something that uh, I'm really excited about. um, Although I don't need it yet, but (laughs) but hopefully, you know, someday. Ingredients for successful parenting. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about why you chose this topic and an overview of what we're going to talk about?
1: Um, I chose this topic because it doesn't matter who I'm working with, parenting comes up. Parenting's the hardest job in the world, so it's always fun to get good advice and guidance in that area. so I like to be of service and help people out a bit in that department.
0: Awesome, uh, so let's talk about the first thing um Why do you think parenting is you know a really big zone of conflict? for couples Uh,
1: because a lot of people don't prepare before they get married or have kids and don't discuss their parenting styles Um, so more often than not uh, when I work in my practice I see parents are not on the same page and usually uh, it's a zone of conflict because when kids are sources of arguments because they disagree with how to discipline, how to address it, if parents contradict themselves. So it becomes very, very personal. And they end up arguing about it, fighting, disagreeing, being frustrated. Some will even go into fear. So, yeah. And I think it's a, a zone of conflict, like I said, because people don't talk about it before they have kids.
2: I mean, kind of on that uh, same subject, how do you think um, either, I mean, parents maybe who have kids and are having trouble or maybe who are expecting, how do you think they should come together to figure out the common ground
1: to co-parent? So that's a good term. So first, co-parenting means you're collaborating with each other, whereas uh, I think we've talked about this before, parallel parenting is... They parent independently and they don't consult each other. So, a big way to consult is to both parents get clear on their values. So, parenting is not just about tips and tricks and discipline, it's looking at the end in mind and thinking, what kind of grown ups do I, I want these little ones to become? And then connect it to your values, what matters to you. And then you decide what are your family rules and rituals and habits you want to instill based on your values. And then that makes it a lot easier as a starting point.
0: Yeah. Uh, What would you say is, yeah, it makes a lot of sense, Crystal.
2: Yeah. Well, I was just going to, I was wondering, I, I imagine most people don't put a lot of thought into their, to their values. Are there any tips for kind of going deep and, And figuring that out
1: yeah we we have a whole episode (laughs) on that and Uh, I'm, i'm working on that right now so basically there's there's a lot of books on um addressing your values whether it's in the business world or in your personal life but it's usually part of the bigger picture of books so it's hard to find a book only On personal values, but basically getting clear on what you want to give your life, how you want to give your life direction. So values are not goals. They're a way of being every day. So uh, behaviors you want um, to have on a day-to-day basis. So sometimes we help people clarify four or five main values and then that will dictate uh, their behaviors. Makes sense? I know it's a, a brief answer to a more complicated <laughs>
0: question, but No, and the and there's a full there's a full right. episode uh about it um and I'm sure that we're going to talk about it many 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 more times in the future. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, so um wh- how do you feel about uh like how do how do people prepare to be parents? Or prepare whilst being a parent, you know, because um, preparing for for being a parent to a baby is different than a toddler, is different than a preschooler, is different than an elementary schooler, you know. Um, So what would you say is like the first step towards that?
1: So once you've determined what kind of little people you want to have in your life and how you want them to turn out, uh, then you're... It's probably going to guide your parenting style. So I would say people should educate themselves about parenting. And I know there's a hundred million books out there, but um, if I could narrow it down is educate yourself, especially about attachment, because that's the foundation for the kids the rest of their life. And so how to promote a successful and secure attachment between you and your child. Um, Books on conscious parenting, positive parenting, parenting with presence, and basically attachment parenting, I think are a really, really good place to start as opposed to looking for tips and tricks because then you're constantly going to need new tips and tricks. So if you work on the foundation of the relationship, and you build a strong relationship, it's a lot easier to get compliance, to get them to respect you and listen to you, because there's a trusting relationship between the parent and the child.
0: Can you expand a little bit more on attachment, um, what healthy attachment looks like? And, you know, you don't have to go super in-depth because I guarantee now that that's going to be its own episode uh, where you can talk about it at length. But um, can you just give us a little bit uh, more behind the curtain of of what you mean when you're talking about attachment? Because I think we think of attachment a lot of times in negative terms Um, only.
1: Yeah, so attachment... Um, is the connection between the parent and the child. So there's different kinds of attachments. So the one we strive for is a secure attachment. Then um, there's anxious attachment, avoidant attachment. So depending on your parenting, you will create one or or the other. So if, if you're not consistently present... Um, with your child, you're there sometimes. You're not there all some of the time. It can promote uh, insecure and anxious attachment. And a parent who's more could be abusive, who's not present, more neglectful, can promote more uh, insecure attachment, um, insecure avoidant attachment. So these are the kids that literally shut down. From their emotions to survive
0: and by present do you mean physical physically present or emotionally present or both
1: I, I would say a bit of both but especially emotionally present <laughs> being a validating parent who's in tune with the child so if if we go back to the episode on our basic need for connection it looks at all these Uh, six areas that are important to create a healthy connection between people. So being attuned to your child's needs, validating, seeing them, you know, um, affection, appreciation. Um, So, yeah, parenting with presence. It's not just about being physically there because the child could be physically next to you and you totally ignore it and dismiss them.
2: I'm curious, um, kind of how this plays out in, um, discipline too, as well, you know, because you don't, um, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Like in, in my experience, like spanking was kind of the norm and that kind of thing, but you know, it might not be the right way, um, for you as you move forward, like in your parenting or someone who's deciding to become a parent. So what do you kind of recommend, um, as far as that?
1: So that, too, is a great episode on discipline. Um, So, yeah, any form of discipline that's authoritarian, which is either emotional, physical abuse that totally dismisses the child's needs, that is based on punishment and reward, um, doesn't help to build a secure attachment, and it creates secondary Problems. Um, The thing with if we think of uh, discipline with little kids, so zero to seven, it's more about teaching and standing in your authority in a loving way than punishing and rewarding them because just punishing and reward doesn't work and it creates extrinsic motivation, meaning you don't behave well. Because you want to be a good person, you, you behave well because you're scared or f- for what you're going to get in re- return. So di- discipline, I believe more in the kind of discipline that's um, adapted to the age of the child as opposed to one trick, one size fits all for everybody.
2: And how, I mean, how would you go into like authoritative, um, parenting? So it's, I guess, more standing firm and standing in your values and teaching your child from that kind of perspective.
1: Yeah. So authoritative versus authoritarian. So authoritarian would be more like a dictatorship. So it's a one way street. You do it this way. Cause I said, so, and I, I don't care what you think. And, um, I don't need to tell you why I do what I do. So the authoritative parent is still in charge, still has the last word, but will consider the child's needs and uh, developmental stage. And uh, it doesn't mean they're going to negotiate because there's times and ages to negotiate, but um, there's more open communication. But the parent still Stand strong without being scary and
0: authoritarian. Speaking of the different ages and the different levels of child development that we've talked about now a couple times, um, you know, do you think that uh, parents should, or, or do you think that parents do put too much pressure on themselves to like already know what's coming next, bef- instead of like re-educating themselves every step of the way? Or how do you how do you think people should um, deal with uh, or one way people would be able to, uh, you know, know the next stage of development, you know, with with their child?
1: So because parenting can be so daunting and overwhelming. I I would say it's like a car don't read the user's manual of your the car you're going to have in 10 years use the manual about the car you're driving right now <laughs> so a, a bit good, like
0: that's a great point I should do that um that explains a lot of things that are wrong with my Hyundai right now <laughs> I should stop using the Mercedes-Benz manual
1: yeah good point um uh I, you had me on a tangent thinking of something else. I lost track of oh, your question. I'm so question. sorry. I'm so <laughs> okay. sorry.
0: Do be, but- oh, yeah,
1: developmental. So, you know, like when women are pregnant, they read the book, what to expect when you're expecting, and they read every minute what's happening. Well, sometimes once the baby's born, that goes all out the window. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I'd say it's just as important to read what's good right now is there's a lot of podcasts. So if you don't have time to read, there's so many psychologists or other great coaches on parenting. So you can um, listen to um, great mentors on parenting. And what I'd say is, you know, if you're have a newborn, read about zero to one year olds and then get up to date at every stage of development and, adjust from that point of view. And a little bit, another part too, is for having worked with a lot of teenagers, because I worked in jails with delinquent and children's services, um, I always say parent with the teenage years in mind. So if you put all the work up front, and it is a lot of work, it's the most, it's the best investment you can have for the teenagers to run more smoothly. Um, Because what I've noticed parents do is little kids, zero to 10, have free reign. They have all these choices. They can do whatever they want. And the minute they hit the teenage years, parents put, put the brakes. Oh, now suddenly you need to do chores. Suddenly they're, they're becoming more controlling with their teenagers when it should be the other way around. So if if you um, have a solid foundation, you teach them good morals, good values, how to behave respectfully, they won't feel as much a need to rebel, lie to you, go behind your back. Of course, they'll still want to separate, individuate, explore the world and grow and fly on their own. That's a given, but it doesn't have to be horrible. So I, I say, if, if you're going to invest, invest also in preparing, if I do this now, how will this look like once this kid is a teenager? And a good example of that is bribing. You know, a lot of parents with little kids bribe and it works So they keep bribing, but the problem with bribing is you're teaching your kid to bribe you. So then it's a constant battle of, well, I'll do this, mommy or daddy, if you do this for me or if I do that. And the bigger they get, the bigger the bribe. So it becomes a big headache.
2: Do you think part of it is just – people need to be more consistent in the way that they parent, like from little to, you know, teenage years.
1: Yeah. I think consistency and standing by your words. Like I'm thinking of a client I saw yesterday and he was telling me, I make threats to my kids, but I don't follow through. So I'm like, exactly. (laughs) So if we make threats, like if, if, if you don't do this, um, I don't know. You can't watch TV tonight, but then you let them watch TV. The child learns that your word means nothing. So consistency is important and stand if you're going to make a threat to remove something or anything, a promise, you should stand by your word. Cuz then they lo- it loses its power.
2: Yeah. Sorry, I my dog was barking in the background, and I kind of lost my train of thought for a minute. Ben, do you have any
0: questions? Yeah. Um, so I know that you, you know you talked a lot about consistency, right there. Uh, what about flexibility? Like when, yeah. when, when, and with what should you be flexible?
1: Okay. So we're dealing with little humans here. So they're gonna have bad days. There's gonna be holidays. Um. So sometimes. Um, if I, I'm trying to think of clients, so let's say school. Um, Parents can get overly anxious living in the future. Oh, if I let them do this once, that's it. It, We're out of control. We can't, then I'll have to do this all the time. So example, um, sometimes kids need a mental health day and miss school. But then the parents are like, well, I'm sending the wrong message. Uh, what about work ethics? And they need to go to school. And I'm like, yes, but one day is okay that they miss to rest or, you know, give them a break. Well, if I do this once, I have to do it again. No, not really. If, if you tell your, your child, you know, we, we can have one mental health day a month, every six months, whatever you decide. Uh, this won't be a habit. This is not going to happen every week. And you set the parameters clearly, then you do it instead of parenting through fear and being rigid. So flexibility in life in general is important, not just with kids, but with everybody.
0: And that's also, and, and this reminded me of a podcast that we did a couple months ago um, the power of validation, like uh, you know, by giving them the mental health day, by by acknowledging that something is wrong, and then that it's okay, and that and that you're trusting them, that they're not just trying to get out of school or yeah. they're you know what I mean. Um, how essential is validation? Um, I think
1: it's key. It's key to uh, building their self esteem. It's key for emotional regulation. If you validate their emotions, they're learning to validate themselves instead of shaming and judging themselves. So validation is key is the foundation to healthy self-esteem and therefore it protects them against bullying. Um, yeah, it just sets them up for life for success. I, ben and I both
2: tried to talk at the same time. Um, you know, I'm kind of curious about um uh, how this plays out as far as you know with the validation letting kind of the children decide their own future instead of the future that the parents want to decide or want them to have, if that makes sense.
1: yeah, so that's basically i when I work with parents, I tell them. You can't force your agenda on your kids, right? You, again, if you parent from your values and your values are not about hurting themselves or someone else, um, you give them all the tools to succeed in life. You also have to trust that they have their own path. And if you had a dream of becoming... I don't know, successful lawyer or a singer. It's it's not there. They're not there to live out your dreams and your hopes. You can talk about your hopes and dreams for them, but in the end, they need to go on their own path. It's not their responsibility to fulfill our dreams. Cause I see that a lot. Like kids, especially with the artistic field, so if I have kids who love design, even like I'm thinking of a kid who wanted to be a hairdresser uh, and and parents come out, you're not going to make money with this. So it puts a lot of pressure and stress on kids that they're already um, aborting their dreams because their parents are scaring them that they're going to be starving artists. Well. I don't artists have to starve.
0: Right. Um, Do you think that there's a lot of like, uh, that actually brings me to two questions. One, um, you know, not uh, following through on what you actually want to do for yourself. um, And then you putting that on your kids later, like, you know kids watch what we do and they you know so like the setting of an example um in both positive and negative ways and like you know what is the reverse is there is there a, a juxtaposition of um letting them live out their own dreams but also like like getting your stuff together and like living your own life while being a parent is is like setting the ultimate example.
1: Yeah. So basically children don't listen to what we say. They actually watch what we do. So I always tell parents, start with you, be the person you want your kids to become. And it's not to be taken literally, meaning be a lawyer if you want your kids to be a lawyer, but live out the values you want to instill in your kids. So if you want to be honest, your kids will be honest. If if you don't want your kids to swear and scream, don't swear and scream. Um, if you want your kids to work out, do exercise and not be couch potatoes, well, you need to get up and move yourself right so if you want your kids to start a project or even if it's just for fun doesn't have to be for school and finish what they start well you need to start and finish what you do so you want to model what you want to see in your children without it being literal meaning the job the color of your hair or the way you look and you dress it's more behavior wise you want to model Uh, behavior and then um, it's easier to get through to them than act one way and then say basically don't do what I do do what I say it's not going to work
0: it's also like giving yourself fuel right like because you're coming from a from a place of fulfillment that you wouldn't necessarily be coming from if you weren't being the person that you wanted them to be. Like if you're not putting any energy on yourself as the parent, if you don't have, you know, your, not your ducks in a row, not that everybody needs to have everything figured out, mm-hmm. but like if you're not doing your best or you're not doing whatever it is that that you need to be doing, um, you're drained and yeah. your, your, your cup is empty and you have nothing to give the child.
1: Yeah, you literally have to make self-care a priority. So you need to take care of you first so that you can be fully present for your child because exactly that, if you're exhausted, you'll be impatient, you'll scream,
0: you'll, rush you'll get them. rid of them, you'll yep.
1: rush them, you'll be like, oh, just stuff them in front of the TV, I'm exhausted doesn't mean you can never do that. But if you're always running on empty, you're not present to your child and that impacts the relationship. It impacts everything.
2: I'm kind of curious um, because we live in kind of a day and age where we think we need to be both um, engaged with something all the time and we need to be productive all the time. And so like if you're always either overscheduling yourself or overscheduling your kids, you know, that doesn't really give you any time to reflect or have self-care. What are your kind of thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I think um, kids are overscheduled. They're doing too much. They're in school all day. So it, it takes a lot of their energy to be in school all day. And then they have to rush home, eat in a rush, go to a sport, Uh, then go to a piano lesson, they never, ever have a break. So some kids thrive on that. But what I've also seen is then I see them as young adults, so especially kids who've been competitive since they're little, and now suddenly they have downtime and and they're antsy. They, They get anxious. They don't know what to do because they've never had to be present. So suddenly they're alone with themselves. And they don't know what to do because they're busy all the time. So when you're busy all the time, for us as well, we don't have time to check in. How am I doing? Do I like what I'm doing? Am I fulfilled? So yeah, overscheduling kids can, for some, cause a lot of anxiety, a lot of stress. Then you see acting out, and then the parents don't understand. And the other flip side to that, too, is Kids need time of boredom so that creativity can kick in. And when they're creative, they can entertain themselves. They can be creative in a whole bunch of ways, right? Creative doesn't have to be with uh, paint and crayons. Creative could be anything. So really, by not overscheduling
2: your kids, you're creating um, resilience,
1: Yeah, I think so. You're creating, yeah, resilience, strength, self-awareness. If you model that, obviously. (laughs) Because you can not overschedule them and they're in front of the TV all night. So that's not better either, right?
0: Right. And, um, you know, sometimes they just need time to be a kid and yeah, to, like my my favorite memories of childhood are and the things that I long for now in my early 30s are like the days when I had absolutely nothing to do and I was just at my house like looking for like creating like anything and you know making little games with myself throwing a throwing a ball against the wall or like you know playing football in the backyard literally by myself because i was the only kid you know or 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 anything like those were my favorite days and i and yeah. i and i really like that and like um it makes me it made me appreciative that like nothing lasts too so like i you know i want to give the the kid like a time to enjoy what's happening right in this moment um i'm not a parent but uh i do spend a ton of time with my best friend's little boy and um a couple weeks ago uh i was putting him to bed and uh i was like hey where's your stuffed animal that you've had since literally day one and he's gonna be five soon and he um he was like, oh, I, I don't know. And I'm like, she's always in bed. Where is she? And she had fallen next to the bed. And I went, you don't care? And he was like, no. And I was like, but she's your best friend. And he goes, I don't care. I'll put her with the rest of the stuffed animals. I don't need to sleep with her anymore. And I was like, what? Are you sure? And he was like, yeah. And then he walked over and I was like, hold on. Let me. I have to film this for your mom. And uh, he literally just went see ya and stuffed (laughs) animal in the bin with all the other stuffed animals and then jumped on his bed and was like okay story time please and I was like a I was like so sad because I was like mourning Mm -hmm. his his toddler babyhood (laughs) yeah his babyhood and I was also like I'm really glad that I consciously took so much time to be present in all of those nap times and bed times and like to go like, I know this isn't going to last. I know this isn't going to last. So like I, I was really sure to enjoy those moments when they were there. Cause yeah. when he got, when he got potty trained after like a week, I was like, I kind of missed the moments where I was changing his diaper.
2: Yeah. It
0: was a nice little reset in our day. Whatever was happening we had to stop for a minute and like look at each other and you know like i so since that moment on i was like oh nothing and because of that like no tantrum ever bothers me anymore or yeah. anything because i'm like it's going to be over in two minutes
1: yeah nothing less yeah good good or bad
0: right <laughs> <laughs> uh what like what what level what level of what ingredient is that in this mixture that we're talking about that is parenting, the impermanence as you've called it?
1: I think it's very important in in life in general and especially with parenting because if we realize nothing lasts, um, we might prioritize things differently so when when parents complain about Things little ones do. I'm like, you know, when they'll be bigger, you're going to miss this. So be aware that this stage has an end. And when they grow, and they won't need you anymore, and they'll go, no, leave me alone. It's going to ache at your heart, and you're going to miss these moments. So it forces us, like you said, to be present, because you'll be like, maybe today will be the last day. Like, I remember when I used to carry Beatrice on my back upstairs and she was getting heavy and every day I was like, this might be her last day that I do this. Um, And little things like that. I'm like, Oh, she's nearing the end of this. This could be a last. So, um, I cherish those moments because we need to let them go. And being a parent is constantly grieving, right? When as a mom, you grieve when they're not in your belly anymore because that's a special moment. And then when you stop nursing them and then when they go to school, there's, it's always new beginnings and it's always an ending. So we, have, we bring them in this world to learn to let them go. So when we realize that, difficult moments become more bearable.
2: All I can think of is a, a song lyric that is, every new beginning comes from some other beginning's end.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's pretty.
0: <laughs> what about when we screw up? Uh, you know, everybody, no. every, everybody makes mistakes and parents do too. How do you think that uh, parents should deal directly with their children when you are the person that has screwed up?
1: I say these are wonderful opportunities to teach your kids that none of us are perfect. We're all human. And um, we own up to our mistakes. And we talk about them out loud. And we show self-acceptance, self-compassion, self-forgiveness so that your kid can do the same with him or herself. And then if, so that's if you screw up in general, so in your life, whatever. And if you literally screw up with your kid, (laughs) um, it's important to own up to it and apologize. And apologize for me. It's not about saying, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I didn't mean to do that. I was tired. It's literally looking at your kid in the eyes and telling them, I knew I would hurt you when I d- did this, but I didn't control myself, and I knew it would hurt you, and I'm so sorry I did that, and I'm going to work hard and not do this again. When What I did must have made you feel X, Y, Z. So that's a true apology when you really validate the other side and own up that we know what we're doing when we screw up, we just choose not to control ourselves. And then if you're going to apologize, you really have to work on yourself and do better because if you do the same thing over and over again, your apology means nothing. So you lose a lot of credibility and respect towards your child, and you're also modeling uh, BS. (laughs) Basically, you're modeling what bad behavior is, and you say sorry, and it makes it okay. Not really. So we're constantly modeling. So when we screw up, we got to know we're human. We'll mess up. But if it keeps repeating itself, just know that, is this what I want to model to my kid.
2: I mean, that's a lot about making tiny humans. And I, I, um, I live with my brother and my niece, and it kind of makes me rethink some of my interactions too. Like, I mm-hmm. always try to apologize, but I'm like, maybe I, I need to rethink that apology when I do screw something up.
1: Yeah, there's, it's, it's, um, even when parents teach their kids when kids mess up and they go, go apologize to the neighbor. It's such an abstract concept, go apologize, go say you're sorry, but you need to mean it, right? So I tell parents, yeah, you shouldn't have them just say sorry, just to say sorry, and try to have them understand what happened and apologize the way I just explained it, which has more of a power, I think, than just saying sorry.
0: I think um maybe the the right way to end the last the last kind of bullet point to end on would be um you talked earlier about parenting values uh almost as like a family mission statement um what would you so so like can you uh can you give us a little this is the last ingredient that we have for the episode of what is what, what kind of values are you talking about for parents and for kids, and, and, and how does somebody set their own family value set?
1: So, you wanna ask yourself, what kind of parent do you want to be? How do you wanna show up for your kids? Uh, what kind of discipline do you want to instill in your family? Um, how do I wanna validate my children? How do I want to co-parent and become clear in all domains of your life, whether because you're a role model. So how am I going to role model spending money, um, volunteering, taking care of the environment? So get clear on important domains of your life, how you want to show up as a human being so that your kids can model it and then you can teach it. And when it comes to your kids, I, like I said earlier, have a long-term vision versus short-term. So what kind of man or woman do you want your children to become? And you parent from there. Um, think of the importance of setting them up for life. So what kind of chores you want to teach them to be involved in from the time they're little? How do you want them to treat their siblings uh, their social responsibility, how you want them to treat people. So, look at basically how you and the kids want to behave in this world. What do you want your life to mean, and let that guide you.
2: Can I ask like a like a bonus question?
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, since I, you know, I've been thinking about this, and my my niece is a little older. Not that I'm like her. Main parent or anything, but I have a lot of friends who either have children around her age, or they have, you know, they're just having their first babies. Um, I'm assuming with all of this, I mean, it's never too late to start, right?
1: Mm-hmm. I I don't think it's ever too late. I I have a client who's 82. so it's never ever too late to start and if you have a late start you just explain it you know mommy daddy knows better now so this is the new direction we want to give our life so you're teaching them again nothing less so if we were doing having bad habits we can change our habits we can change our values because our values evolve throughout our life anyways it's never too late
0: that was a great question.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, Okay. So now it is time for the moment of gratitude.
1: Gratitude. Uh, You start Ben. (laughs) Oh, geez.
0: (laughs) Okay. uh, What am I grateful for today? I I have, I have to, I'll do the, I don't know when you're going to hear this, but There'll be a bigger one on the other recording that we did today. Um, but I am really grateful, uh, since we're talking about parenting and and everything, I'm just really grateful for uh my friend's son and the role uh that I get to play in his life and um being this like uncle ish full house type figure (laughs) uh you know it's 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 really nice and and there's a just a special bond that i'll forever be grateful for and um you know like we this is really silly we literally uh got haircuts together this morning for the last like five months we've been uh on the same haircut schedule because our hair grows at approximately the the same uh you know, right? And um, and he was started to freak out. Uh, at the very end, he's always been wonderful uh, with this new hairdresser for him, and um, he's always been so patient and and great. And the last like three minutes, he he decided he like wanted to to get get down, and um, and I just played a quick game with him of like hide your hands in the, in the thing. And, and, you know, and he made it through completely fine. And then when it was my turn to get a haircut, he was sitting next to me and I was like, Hey buddy, I want to let you know that I distracted you. Remember? And he was like, Oh yeah. And I was like, I just don't want you to think that like you were starting to cry and I played a game with you. And like, I want to let you know, cause I don't want you to um think that I was trying to trick you. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to be very clear. Like I was playing a game with you to show you that there was no reason to cry. And, uh, so that was really nice. And I, I love him more than anything. So that's my cool. gratitude for today. Yeah. Nice. Crystal.
2: Um, so I, I don't, I don't think I've actually drank with it on video. This is one of my um, favorite cups It was actually given to me by my aunt. Um, who just in the last five or six years I've gotten really close to. And she'd actually gotten me a different one from the same artist with a dragon. Cause she knows I like fantasy stuff, but I was like, Oh, I really like elephants. So she surprised it with me one Christmas. And I think, I mean, I'm really grateful for the cup. I love this cup. Elephants are awesome. But um, I think kind of along the same lines, Ben, I'm really grateful for the support of all of the, not just family, but kind of family figures, um, that I have in my life. So whether it's aunts and uncles or, you know, friends, um, just people, you know, family, friends, people who have, um, kind of supported me and stood by me and, and been there for me.
1: That's
0: great. That is great. Gina, it's your turn.
1: (laughs) So I have two, but I'll pick one for now. Um, I'm grateful that I received an invitation to send a book proposal. So I've been working hard for almost six weeks now, and I'm really hoping it'll pan out. But even if it doesn't, it's been an amazing opportunity. I've been working like crazy. (laughs) And uh, so I'm very grateful for this opportunity.
0: That's awesome. And, uh, I'm really proud of you for that opportunity. That's amazing. And, um, and also thank you to all of the listeners, uh, for this, for listening to the show because, um, you know, that is, is how that opportunity came about. So thank you everybody for that. Um, all right. So let's talk about where people can find you, uh, where people can find everybody here. Uh, so (laughs) let's do that. Crystal, you go first.
2: Yeah. Um, you can find me at dot That is crystal with a K. Um, I also just started my own podcast if people want to take a listen. Um, it's the more than Mimsy podcast.
0: Awesome. And, uh, you can find me, I guess, and everything uh, that we do at deangelisandbarber.com. And, um, yeah, there's links in the description of the episode, I'm sure. Uh, and Dr. Gina. So, you know, there's a lot of places pe- people can find you. Um yeah. and, and we have links to some of them. Uh what what do you want where do you want people to what do you want people to know?
1: Well you can find me at drgina.ca and you can find me on LinkedIn. My name is Gina Medrograno, so you'll just find me. There aren't many of us in the world. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's nice. There's so yeah. many Ben Barbers. <laughs> It's ridiculous. Uh, all right. Thank you guys very, very much. This was a really awesome episode. Thank, Thank you. you so much. For more information or to book an appointment with Dr. Gina, go to drmandragrano.com or click the link in the description of this episode.